Welcome to the Crew 3 Podcast. I was rocking with me as always are my co-hosts Chris and Ricky. Gentlemen, say hello. Hey. What's up? Is this They're a, both here. We got them both in the same room this time. This is, this is a, The rumors that Ricky are the same person are proven false. It has been a while since uh, the whole been a while. Yep, that's what I wanted. Uh, all right, yeah, I mean, we got, a, we got a busy episode this week. Ricky and I, uh, of course, delved into some more Grand Archive competitive play at the Ascent Houston. Uh, we're gonna kinda... I'm gonna I'm gonna call it spelunked. Yeah, well, we'll talk into we'll, uh... we'll go into a little bit. If you really want to see, I mean, I don't know how much actually we're gonna talk about it, but um, I posted a 20 tweet thread on Twitter giving my thoughts about it. Ricky, I think yep. posted like an eight or nine tweet thread about I it. I thought like my nine tweets was like that's a lot to say, and then Ruckman's like, "Hold my beer." Hold I got twenty tweets on this. I could have kept going, uh, but I will say part of what, but there will still be content coming out about that because I do uh, really want to talk about Path of Silver more so and kind of go into a lot of stuff there uh, that really won't need to go into on the podcast. Um, but after that, we're going to go over uh, the four big Pioneer events this weekend. I know there's also like a 5K as well, but what we're just going to cover is the last chance qualifier at Lily. We're going to go over the RC at Lily. We're going to go over the RC in uh, Calgary, and then we are going to go over the God of Pioneer over in Haruya and see what is going on in uh, the wild, wild west of the Asian, of, of the Japanese metagame. And so they're always cooking up something great, and you, you love to see it, right? We always love to see it. There are some always great stuff. So, uh, and then, of course, after that, uh, we're going to get Ricky free reign, and it's going to be a long, long Phoenix watch as Ricky uh, covers his eyes. It opens up the bird box. I just think that, uh, you know, now that Phoenix is the winningest deck, spoiler alert, winningest percentage deck at the RC, uh, at least at one of them, it's time to teach everybody how to be villains, you know? Yeah. We are number right. one. Well, uh, I, I think this is going to have to be the first episode I start bringing back the video for, because again, uh, I, I'm, I'm shilling our time at the Ascent here. Uh, hey, Grand Archive Dev, stop ignoring us. Please talk to us. We love your game still. Um, <laughs> as I'm decked out here, all this Grand Archive swag just, just we're dripping. Rude. That's the problem, is we're rude. I think we're pretty real with the game. Especially, uh, I feel like, talking to everyone in the room, um, the biggest problem facing the game right now is... Um, Free pot of greeds that you can cast like eight times are 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 not too great. Even if like you can, even if the meta game is balanced around See, that, right? I, um, uh, everyone who's playing that deck, because I played that deck and I hated it at the end of the event. Everyone I talked to hated it at the end of the event. So uh, as balanced as the game is, um, something might need just to happen for for health reasons. And again, I go into that on on my tweet about how uh, as a game. Um, you need to be a fun, enjoyable game first, and if you're not doing that, you're not uh, you're not succeeding. Uh, but that aside, I mean, I enjoyed my time there. It was a fun time. Uh, I yeah. was sitting at the X two one tables all day, and when I say all day, I mean all day. Ricky and I showed up at eight a.m. and left at ten a.m. And uh, because of how things were going, I was still in it but I was at the bottom of the people that were still in it. So the people to my left were all people who were in my boat that were on the cusp of not making day two and were all very salty about the state of the game and the balance of the game. And yeah. then to my right were the people who were already like X3 and X and 4 
that were just playing for fun and they loved the game deeply and they were like, I don't see any problem with this game at all. And those are wonderful people too. So I got literally, uh, this game is unbalanced mess and I love this game so much. It's my favorite. Anyways, I'm going to manifest Sylvie uh, all weekend. Meanwhile, uh, I was in the go to turns bracket. Um, I my, my final record was uh, two, three, and two. Uh, two of those losses uh, where we only finished one game because, um, boy, we were just playing one twos that sure did just stare at each other once you got an elk out. Yeah, you were an X2-1, and you had not yet lost a full match of games yet. Yeah. Right. You you were like, you lost game one, and then you would just, like, go to time. And it was just like, what do you do? Yeah. Now, again, I, I'm not going to complain about the deck, like, that I played right. I think it was still a good choice. Obviously, I just didn't have the good luck that the, some of the other Fire Merlin players did, uh, where I, I didn't get to, like... Pot of Greed eight times in my upkeep and then untap with Wilderness Reclamation. Um, but uh, it, it was still fun. I mean, maybe I should listen to my what I thought earlier and just audible to essentially the deck that won. But of course, that's that's hindsight now that we know the deck that won. Uh, but I will say, though, like um, the devs there, the I will not put the or the if problems with the event running on the game team because think of this as like hey this is the ascent houston right but think of it as a one of the magic grand prix where you're like this is grand prix dallas presented by pastime games or you know you're lucky to get a fireball or scg but um it felt like we got a pastime games gp and you know how those go uh i mean like i definitely i definitely get it uh growing pains of like we didn't develop, we spent all our time developing like a gatherer program first, then yeah. a tournament software, which is fine. But I mean, like, literally just pay Brad. Pay Brad. Pay Brad pay the Brad. $10. Stop get, using challenge. Get also, melee. no lunch breaks. Come on. Uh, yeah, I agree. I'm very, uh, it's eight rounds, people. We can be in and out of here by 6 p.m. if we don't take this lunch break. And. Like, what are you going to do in a one-hour lunch break in a place that there is, like, no walkable actual restaurants and, like, yeah, no in-and-out parking, right? Like, you're going to pay for parking twice to go get Chick-fil-A or whatever. I know a lot of people, like, ordered DoorDash and, like, pre-ordered it because they knew, like, it ended up being a two-hour lunch break. So, you know. It was a three-hour lunch break. Yeah, three-hour lunch break. Uh, however time works. Yeah. Uh, I will say that challenge I had a lot died of... died and every backup for challenge died. I had a lot so... of fun. Playing the yeah. game. Uh, my deck was exciting. Uh, aggro decks that kill people on turn three uh, are always fun, in my opinion. For me, uh, hearing my opponents like do all this mental math and then just go, yeah, you can't kill me next turn. Pass. And just like dealing 15 damage from nowhere. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, however, I am not Frank Reynolds. I, I do not certifiably not have donkey brains. I might be the most donkey brained individual in the whole world. Uh, in my last round to win to day two, I decided I've never seen any blue cards in the game. I don't know how to play around uh, quench. quench. I don't know how to play around quench. I can't read my opponent's cards. 
can't read my own cards. Uh, really, we were just sort of lucky that I kept it upright in the chair. Uh, I did not. I, I, I misplayed so poorly. I played like complete trash garbage. Uh, it was nothing that the game did. It wasn't unlucky draws. It was, and I, I like losing like this. I completely, completely honestly, if I'm going to play like garbage, I shouldn't get like rewarded. Yeah. yeah. No, my opponent played very tight. They played these counter spells. They played these blue cards. They drew a billion cards on their upkeep and then drew all nine of them back into their hand, uh, which is what the deck does, and killed me while I just like didn't know uh, what to do after my card that has won the game every time I've cast it didn't win the game and just literally I don't know just people like will remember this sound, but the the AOL internet disc dial up sound. That's what was going through Ricky's head in that Dude, last I round. literally, Just literally, the... I mean, I'm going to blame the fact that, uh, one, I did not test as much as I should have for any, like, actual magic event, right? And two, uh, it was 10 o'clock at night, uh, and I got there at 8 in the morning. Sure. Uh, but We did not take a lunch break, but boy, did we I, have a mukbang at the Applebee's afterwards. I opened my hand, I saw three fiery momentum, and I just thought to myself, I can't lose this game. And then proceeded to get all three of them counterspelled. Like the first one, I was like, I didn't know there was a counterspell. Next turn, I'm like, hmm, I could play Fire Momentum first for one less damage and play around counterspell. Or I can play this creature first to get an extra point of damage in, then play Fire Momentum. I did that. He countered it again. I very, I'm very sorry to that person I played against because I then followed up with, you drew two of them. You're so lucky. Like, <laughs> Not Thank only were, were my game skills gone, my game manners were gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, um, the one true, the one true mirror I played this. Uh, I played against like Merlin Ascension like several times, right? But I only played against. I played the true mirror once. Uh, I played like other variants of the deck a couple other times, but I played the true mirror once. And God bless my opponent who goes, who I just like. I look at the clock, I'm getting summarily dumped into the ground game one, <laughs> and I see like 15 minutes have passed, I'm just like, I, I can't spend another 20 minutes here waiting for him to win the game, so I'm like, we're just going to go to game two. He's like, you sure? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and then and then game two, um, I'm kind of decently ahead, but he, he summons the stupid 410 elk, that's like unkillable and halves damage against you three different times. And then like at one point on his turn, does he go in his upkeep? He goes uh, one mana pot of greed, zero mana spell, buy it back Two one mana pot of greed, zero mana spell, buy it back pot of greed. Um, now I'm going to untap. I'm like plus 10 cards and I'm just like, all right, cool. I think, I think, I think we're good here too. And he's just like, yeah, man, I'm sorry. Like, I'm I'm just here built to. It's like my my list is built to beat the mirror, and I'm just like, yeah, man, that's not why you won. The reason why you won is, um, I've got a stick and a rock, and you've got a gun, and like, I drew nothing. <laughs> the uh, the the merch store, amazing. The setup, yeah. actually, pretty cool. Too many mirrors in that room, but that's not their fault. That's the hotel. Yeah, uh, I, I almost walked into the Wiley Coyote Tunnel like three times. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. It makes the room look really big, and I almost walked yeah. into the mirror. Anyways, um, 
Everything was really cool. I love the Path player of, base. Path, very positive. Path of, Path of Silver. Like I said, Path of Silver is going to do a big video on. Uh, I'm really bummed it's only going to be the next time at Worlds because, like, I think it is such an interesting thing for the game because even as I was, like, unfortunately, you'll hear in the video, I didn't get to turn in my set of cards. Um, but it was, like, really fun to hear, like, even players who – we're like, yeah, we're nowhere near in the running to like score even like seventy thousand points, right? There were just players who were like, we had fun just figuring out like I've got like this small collection of cards, like how many points can I get? Like it is such a cool, neat idea, uh, and I can't wait for that video to come out. That'll come out sometime early next week. Um, also, big shout outs to Foam, Foam yeah. A, uh, for giving not only being super chill and also getting us into the game, giving Ricky the hood hookup and helping him just giving him his seat in the main event, essentially helping me find a ticket for the main event that I used when I was just going to pass the silver and just being super awesome, lending us cars and stuff like that. So uh big shout outs there, but I mean, yeah, I, the, the community, like you say, the community was great. I had like no bad interactions with people like all weekend. Everyone was super chill, super fun. I will say community is, uh, they're wonderful. They're, uh, absurdly positive to the point of light delusion about the value of some of the things. Yes. Um, there's, there's a lot the of like, that's $300. So you better go get one. They're like posting them on like the marketplace in the ascent with like their hotel bed as the background of the picture. And they're just like, I got three of these play mats that anybody could go get for 400, uh, event. So the big thing was like everybody. Level two Merlins sold out like quickly. That was like the big one. But, but like people were able to get a lot of them. They were posting them for like 180. Yeah. And then like the top eight promos, people just like literally all of them I saw shoved up there, just like 10K, 10K for this top eight promo. And yeah. I was just like, ooh, I don't know about that one. Like, yeah. But it's got to start um, somewhere, I guess. Yeah. But the community is great. We had a lot of fun. Um, you know, again, um yeti gaming i know they do a great job running like the big online leagues and stuff like that like they organize those great um this event might have been a little bit more than they could chew but uh the judging staff was great it took a while but everything did get back on track and it was a great time otherwise um i just you know hey october 16th um game health overseeds balance so let's think about that let's think about magic Let's think about magic. That I is, had right. a, I had a lot of fun. Uh, it was hot. With, with enough, <laughs> I had a lot of fun and had enough time between rounds, thanks to challenge dying, that I got to uh, witness the beginning of the ousting of American politics. So yeah. you know, that was fun. <laughs> that, that's what we did in our, our our spare time. We just watched C-SPAN. Yeah, <laughs> we're a pioneer and had a lot of people come up and be like. You, you guys play Magic? Yeah, but... Play Pioneer. How, let's play oh, some Pioneer. I did get to that same guy who was like, yeah, my deck's built for the mirror. I was talking to him, they were like, I was like, uh, I mentioned like Magic, so I was like, I'm like, yeah, you know what I mean? Because he's like, are you in the Discord very often? I'm like, uh, you know, I run I run my own little com- content communities Discord, so I'm not as active in the Grand Archive Discord. Uh, he's like, oh, what are you, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, play Magic. He's like, oh, really? He's like, I used to be really big into Magic. It's like, I played a lot of Modern, and the Modern Horizons happened. I'm like, oh, we cover Pioneer. He's like, oh, I love Pioneer too. But they let Inverter be legal for too long. I just kind of said I'm done with Magic after that. And I'm like, 
Yeah, man, I've showed it a lot of people. One yeah. of the one of one of the, one of the heroes out there. One of the people yeah. who, uh, yeah, a true soldier. You know, yeah, and bring him back into the fold of fiddle pop. I told him like Pine is great, and you should jump back in. Unban inverter. Ban Foss's Oracle. That's yeah. relevant. That's, that's, up. that's relevant. All right. Let's get into these decks. Let's get into these decks. All right, real quick. Uh, I'm going to kind of go over. Uh, we're not going to really dive into them, but kind of something to point out. Uh, looking at the classic qualifier, which is the last chance qualifier at Lily, uh, we had Monogreen Green Devotion and Rakdos Midrange 8 and 1. Uh, Boros Convoke at 7 and 0. Uh, Lotus Field. So. I'm going to kind of link this event. There's not really a whole lot to go into. Uh, I think it's kind of important to note that you see Waste Knot made a bit of a run at 7-2. and Demir Rogues made a bit of a run at 7-2. and uh, Nothing super else I want to kind of go into here. But I do think it's important to kind of include these, these event results um, with the numbers we're talking about. Uh, is there anything, anything kind of in this you wanted to briefly mention? Something sticking out to you list-wise or... I mean, Boris Convoke is kind of sick with four Imidane's Recruiter. Yeah, we've seen that a bit lately. I, I do like Imidane's Recruiter a lot. I think we talked about it last week where it's kind of nice of, like, if if stuff goes wrong, you've got the tokens. It, it like, can right. help you rebuild late game and then do a big swing the turn later. Right. Uh, I mean, like, you don't even have to cast it. Like, it's just another Bushwhacker. Sure. Uh, Cutting down to only two Bushwhackers kind of wild, though. I kind of thought we'd maybe be playing, like, eight. But I guess Imodane's Recruiter is just sort of, like, Bushwhacker that can go bigger. I mean, it's a Bushwhacker that doesn't require you to have another spell, right? Like, that's kind right. of the big thing as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. I guess you can't just cast Reckless for three and it does anything, right? Yeah. Okay, you okay, that's why. That makes sense. Um, all right, let's move on to actual... Uh, championship Lily. So in eighth place, we have Alskek on Rakdos mid range. Seventh place, we have Marcin Klimitsko on Enigmatic Fire. Sixth place, Joseph Senfalu on Gruel Vehicles. Uh, fifth place, Samuel Estradi on Lotus Field. Now, um, eighth through second, eighth through third place, right? Because of how I don't know the full brackets, these people could be slightly I'm different calling, places. I'm calling this Lotus Field, right? Uh, what was it on fifth? Place? It was like the Atraxa Rona deck with Yorian. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Um, right. that's uh, that's Samuel Estrati. Yes, 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 yes. That is something different. Where is that? Yes, sorry. I don't know why that was listed as as Lotus. Um, but yeah, that is like this super cool combo deck we'll talk about here in a second. Um, uh, fourth place, Sam Rolf on Lotus Field. Third place, Christopher Larson on Rakdos Sacrifice. Uh, second place, Lars Henrik Vark on Abzan Greasefang. And first place, Adrian Inigo Tastet on Lotus Field featuring Discontinuity. Um, so, I mean, let's let's talk about this uh, Samuel Estrati deck list here. I, this was kind of their own brew, so I mean... Hack of a deck to see make a big run with, right? So this list here, we got one Yorian the Sky Nomad, three Elvish Mystic, four Lanor Elves, one Fave Wishes, four Kinnon, Bonder Prodigy, three Paradise Druid, four Rona, Herald of Invasion, four Silver Carried, and one Valky God of Lies, three Attracts of Grand Unifier, four Tyvar Dreamlet Brawler, two Karn the Great Creator, four Luke Coppercoat Outcast, three Attraction Helix, one Unmoored Ego, one Witch's Vengeance, three Bring to Light, four Mox Amber, four Oath of Nyssa. Uh, we got a little bit of a Karn board, 
Um, really, we're just kind of setting up infinite mana um, with our uh, Arona combo here to kind of pop off with Kinnon. And then we have things like Tyvar letting us haste out this combo with Luca helping us essentially go find... Our big goal here is we're just making infinite mana just to try to go find Atraxa. And then we have BTL into Valky as like a backup plan. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. This deck, right? Yeah. Samuel Estrati. Yeah. They've seen the Matrix. Several times. Because uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it straight. This is like one of those moments where I'm just like, play skill and deck familiarity will get you a lot. Like the amount of uh, choices that you make and interaction that you have that matters with your opponents and like how you're playing your deck really matters. You have a lot of agency in Pioneer. And because uh, this is a pile. <laughs> um, that's seven L's. Why seven L's? What? Where do you go? Like I'm playing an 80 card deck and I need to play seven L's. Like this is next level. Like I've tested for years and years and years under the waterfalls of something, you know? We got our we got our one witch's vengeance that we can go bring delight off of. Well, yeah, you can one of like. for the bring delight is kind of interesting. Um like but also like I'm just so confused by a lot of the uh and like two thought season the sideboard. I love that Karn just go target Mox Amber with Karn. Right. Uh, It's interesting. It's interesting. It's weird. It's exciting. That's for sure. Um, If you sleeve this up at your local F&M Pioneer, uh, you're going to get dumpstered. I'm going to tell you you right now. Uh, You're going to get, like, dumpstered. What do you think, Chris? Do you have thoughts on this deck? Um, I'm only on the Matrix 2, and this person is clearly on the Matrix Reloaded, you know? the matrix trace. And so, um, <laughs> I just, I've sitting here been thinking about like, what are your opening hands look like? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's gotta be like a great many hands where you open up and you're like, what am I doing with my life? But the ones that work, you know what I'm saying? Because I mean, works, you are 80 cards. What's that? When it works, it works. Yeah. And again, like, you know, like you said, bring to light serves a lot of purposes here. I mean, if we oh, need a combo piece, we can get a combo piece. Um, we have a lot of acceleration because not, we're not only playing seven elves, but we've got our paradise druids. We've got our sylvan carriage. There's a lot of acceleration, right? Yeah. So I think of it less as like seven there and more that it's 14 total right. uh, when you look at the three paradise druids and four sylvan carriages. So, you know, you've got mana dorks that can pretty well ramp you to five. Um, a big thing, like you said, is like, hey, there's going to be a lot of decks that attracts it just beats. And one of the reasons I moved away from some of that stuff is there's a lot of decks that can just kill a tract and then you look stupid, even though you drew four cards. But you right. have the tools to kind of, you know, navigate this combo, but can also just, if it's time, get an Atraxa with some Bring to Light shenanigans, um, either getting you ways to get Atraxa or just grabbing you a Valky, grabbing you a Wrath, grabbing you a combo piece. Um, this deck seems like it takes big advantage of one of the strongest cards in Pioneer, which in my opinion is Bring to Light, with just the searchability and the fact that the old wording of this still gets you a Valky. So, um, yeah. Like it, I only mean, plays, right? it only plays three Bring to Light. We've built our whole sideboard around a Karn board. Yeah. We're only playing two Karn. Right. Um, <laughs> We're only playing but, two Karn, right. We're going to Bring to Light into the Karn. You see right. what I'm saying? I understand that you only play one Fae of Wishes because you can Bring to Light for, for Fae of Wishes, but like... If Bring the Light is our big tutor, why are we not playing four? Like, this is uh, this is a master at work, right? Right. And right. I can't question it. Right. Good job. 
I'd love to pick your brain on this, but yeah. Plaza of Hero seemingly makes sense, but how often are we casting the attracts, right? Like that gets us Kennens, it gets us Ronas, and is that kind of what it gets us? Yeah. It only uh, cast legendary creatures, it doesn't cast My brain needs a break. Can we look at uh it helps at, us it helps us just hard cast helps us cast that Atraxa itself, right? Like right. No, that's what I'm saying. Um they cast a legendary spell. Is that a planeswalker? Yeah. Yes, it is. Okay, so it does help get some of these planeswalkers. Okay, so there we go. There's some of the answers there because I yeah, didn't we, know that. We need sheet red mana for Luca. Yeah, right. Because that's double red. But obviously, you know the the cool deck building here, right? Luca and I had to read it again. Um, it only goes up, so you can play yeah. all the twos you want and target twos because they're always going to get your Atraxa. Maybe that's why we're only serious. playing seven elves because you can't crack an elf into Atraxa. I right. just you know I don't it's know balance there. It's, you got to play four Luca though. Only through Bring Delight four Luca. What I but, love is that this player could have done the, you know, could have done the uh, uh, the primate SpongeBob move, which is play a bunch of leyline bindings and, uh, you know, uh, other destructive enchantments, and instead chose to go this route. Uh, right? So Chris is coming at seventh place. Then is what mm-hmm. I'm hearing. More so, proactively uh, winning the game. So I I, uh, I I like this a lot. It's time to rename a deck. Can we rename Grohl Vehicles to Grohl Sagas? Yeah, I think so. There's more Sagas than Cars now. Man, Huntsman's like Redemption. I, I gotta tell you, I was kind of skept- skeptical on Huntsman's Redemption, but the more I see it, the more I hear about it, the more I'm just like, I was wrong with this card. This card is is doing I'm it. You know, Scooping them up. Scooping them up yeah. left, right, you know? It's I mean, a creature it, tutor. Because I, I played against um, Kevman with this, and Kevman was... Uh, unimpressed as was I, but I think it's just because it was like, all right, you know, if you if you are playing against an interactive deck, this this enchantment just looks stupid. I mean, you just sure. you get your guy killed. Um, if you can't sack a creature, you know what I'm saying? It's just like then you look you look real dumb. So you got to have a lot of fodder for this. Hunt I mean, this on turn two off of an elf is like insane. Well, yeah, yeah, it could be. It could yeah. be. Depends on what again. Depends on what kind of interaction is is being right. played there. But We're not certainly even tutoring a creature is very strong, right? I mean, some people played Fauna Shaman in the format, and and again, that's probably a little too fragile. But um, this also lets us like strong. it lets you tutor like in the mid game. You can use it, sack an elf to tutor for like Voldaren Thrill Seeker, right? Right, right. Uh, which sure. you then next turn your like biggest guy, right? Right, Love Struck Beast is going to get plus two, plus two, and trample, right? Yeah, I think I ever realized that Voldaren Thrill Seeker just like. And then you're going to throw need a werewolf in the face. Yeah. Then you go like play Voldaren Thrill Seeker back up onto my now seven, seven trample, make it a nine, nine trample love struck beast attack you for nine trample and then fling it at your face for another nine. Right. Like, yep. I mean that like line of play just seems so good. I mean, and also I just, you know, this deck costs $200. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. I just it's just another reason I love this format where it's just like well, I just really wish we could $140 if you don't play Besaidus. But yes, yes. it does cost $200. Right. And and what, and again, look at this also nice with the Huntsman's Redemption is you 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 have threaten effects. You have a Crone War like you could also just sack off your opponent's stuff, right? Exactly. Like, sure, if you're in the right order. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is in the timing which it go when it goes off, I think, but um you can't like necessarily curve it. A crow in there. Is to keep the creature for like two turns. Yeah. 
So but you just can't you can't go three into four, unfortunately, because it'll the two triggers on your next. Yeah, you, you have you have to go Chrono War into Redemption, right. but right, right. And um, then I like all the random cards. Like Tranquil Frillback is like a mid card, but if you are able to tutor for it, then this card's great, right? I have to read this card. Uh, well, it's a three mana three three that has multi kicker green and yeah. three kicker. You can either destroy an artifact. Exile a graveyard or gain four life. So, do you have to do different ones, or can you do the same one? You have to do different ones. You can only kick okay. it three times. Cool. Leave um, my graveyard alone, wizards. On your upkeep, you can animate your mutavolt to sack the mutavolt to huntsman redemption. Sure, sure. We don't need this land. I want a dude. <laughs> we can activate our layer of the hydra. I think that there's a lot of lotus field that did well because I mean, if phoenix is doing well in your area. Show them what for by playing Lotus Field and not interacting. Yeah, but that's why I'll, I'll talk about what what our options are against this deck. But like, yeah, this deck is like probably the hard counter to a Phoenix deck. Because like, what like Lotus also I mean, like playing mid rangey like bring to light stacks, right? Yeah, and we ain't killing people dead, and this deck is gonna like really thrive. Yeah, I agree. Um. What do you think about the, of course, our winner being uh, Lotus Plus? Now we're now we're playing Discontinuity in the mix. I think Discontinuity has never been a bad card in the mix. Uh, I think it's always been like a fine option, right? Mm-hmm. Like this deck really wants to like it punishes slow decks and it beats the fast decks by high rolling. Like high sure. roll hands are hands that have like a boreal grazer in them, which is so so weird. High roll meaning like I have a boreal grazer in turn. Yeah, one. I've got the sloth. Like, discontinuity also is a card that lets you high roll, like your your game, right? Yeah. And if you get it later, you can just use it as like a way to like uh, I need a little bit more time before I can go off, so I'll wait, right? Sure. So I think the card's slaps. Great, great card. Yeah. Uh, I mean, anything else, Chris, you want to talk about your, your love hate relationship with up a beanstalk and uh leyline binding and a top eight finish here. I've, uh, I've never even read, uh, up the beanstalk. I don't know what that, I don't know what that card is. Ricky, yeah, uh-huh. you know, Ricky's the one. Mm-hmm. Ricky actually incepted up the beanstalk. Into the the, yeah. yeah. So, uh, we, we merely, we merely adopted the beanstalk. Mm-hmm. Ricky is a beanstalk. I am. He was, yeah. born, he was, I was, he born, was born the beans. Born, born for the beans. Uh, he wants us to roll some more of that beautiful bean footage. You it's know, true. that's what he's been saying. It's been sending to me in emails. Um, you know, not a lot of people know that, but that's I true. Personally, think that the beanstalk enigmatic fires deck is hot, especially the the one that made top eight here. Mm-hmm. This is finally like, I don't know, like this deck at full power now, right? We got four portable hole, four chain of the rocks. We're back on Nalia's presence, playing four path to the world tree, four up the beanstalk, fables, enigmatic. I like the beanstalk right? made Tulsimir finally a good card. So now right, now it draws you a card. <laughs> it like it makes Yorian insane. Yeah. Like this deck is sick now. And like now we're just playing a second Yorian in the main deck because of how great right. Yorian is now. Because why not? Right. Uh, the sideboard of the one of nimble obstructionist in the sideboard is um, it's bold. 
bold deck building. Wild. I don't know what Inspired. it's for. What are you countering? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you're countering like your opponent's Lotus Field trigger because you're a cool guy. You're countering uh, your opponent's Traxa. You're countering your opponent's Beanstalks. You're countering your opponent's Leyline Binding. I don't oh, know. Oh, Traxa's kind of sick, yeah. But you counter you like you counter your opponent's enigmatic trigger at the end of their turn. Yeah. That's kind of hot. And you draw a card. We could just destroy it for less mana. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So all in all, good RC. Uh yeah, I'm sure Nate's happy. Grease Fang got a second place. Right. But let's move to the real RC. Let's move oh to to the the land of Canada. The land of uh you know, they're basically Canada is in North America, so it makes yeah. them basically America. Uh-huh. We have to America's hat. They they don't like that. Look, they're they're closer. They're they're within 100 miles of the the US border at all times. So I mean, right, right, right. And apparently it's so treacherous to get across the middle of Canada, they have to have two RCs, one on each yeah. side. Well, that we don't talk about what happens there. Right. Have you That's where been... everyone gets sacrificed the maple syrup gods. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I've seen the first season of Riverdale. I know what happens. <laughs> but uh, we've got some exciting decks here. I think this yeah. is a very exciting top eight. All right. So this top eight, we have eighth place, David Schneier on Enigmatic Fires. Seventh place, Andres Kidston on Mono Green. Sixth place, Gavin Bennett on Azorius Control. Fifth place, Drew Christensen on Boros Heroic. Fourth place, Attila Fur on Gruel Vehicles. Third place, Derek Pete misplaced, a.k.a. misplaced Ginger on Rakdos Midrange. Second place, Liam Kane on Rakdos Sacrifice. And first place, Boston Shatman on... Is it Phoenix, baby? Always good. It's always good. Also, I love the tweet, Boston here, right? They tweeted out. They're like, first lock for top eight. Now we got our winner. It's like they knew. Yeah. It's easy. 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 Like Sunday morning? Yeah. Oh, actually, before we we talk about this, I do want to point out real quick. uh, 33rd place at Lily, Bard class. Point that out there. Fake news. Fake news. Whoa, 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 whoa. It could be anybody. All right. Uh, I mean, obviously, we'll we'll save we'll save Phoenix because we'll, we can use that. Oh, we, we got got a pioneer transition, after this. right? Yeah. Well, we have I, got a pioneer after this. Didn't so. send me that link. I'm out of links. Oh, what? it what didn't get a little placard. It didn't get a thingy. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, let's see here. Let's look at Boris Heroic. Yeah, we didn't talk about Boris Heroic. Boris Heroic. That's exciting to see here. Yeah, Chris that's a good be one. happy. Chris loves this stuff. Hey, Chris, Chris. All right, break us down this Boris Heroic list. Boris Heroic. We've got. No double pips, so you know what that means. The wellspring is full. We've got a gigantic companion. We've got classics here. Four favorite hoplites, four monastery swift spears, three dreadhorde arcanist, four all-star card illuminator virtuoso. Uh, that card kills bugs dead. It also kills salty modern players dead. Uh, right. And then finishing off our creatures, three tenth district legionnaire, one, two, three, four, fifth, double that, that's tenth. Uh, District Legionnaire. We've got some spells here. Ancestor and Anger, four Defiant Strike, four God's Willing, two Homestead Courage, four Reckless Rage, one Spike Field Hazard, one Sajiri's uh, Shelter, and four of Wilds of Eldraine All-Star Monstrous Rage. So of course, we've been talking about Boros Prowse for a little bit after one our our webcam here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, what do you, what do you think about 
just Boros prowess versus Pia in general. Are you are you are, are you willing to convert back to prowess? Yeah, and the reason I am is because there's a lot of slow decks, right? Um, a lot of these kind of mid-rangey decks, um, including Lotus Field, as Ricky was saying, are rough matches for Phoenix, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of ways that they main deck a graveyard hate card and can get you. And once they get to the late game, they're usually doing something better than reanimating three, two flyers, right? Your big deal is when you can, when you can be a tempo deck. I can interact with you. I can do whatever. Um, but when they go over the top of you, it can be harder. A deck like this, they do not get there. Right, the tap lands mean something, and you are a lot faster than Pia can be. So I think in the meta game we're at now, um, I, I like this deck a lot. You have a lot of protection spells, and Monstrous Rage has sped up your clock. You not only give plus two plus zero, oh, you give a permanent buff left on your mm-hmm. ground in the form of an enchantment. Right. So um, again, the deck's a lot faster, and I think that speed makes a difference. I think there are some meta games like we've seen before where there are more decks that are kind of early mid-range decks they're they're not so much in on the you know going over the top of you they're more true mid-range so for example i like this deck a lot worse against rakdos mid-range because if they just have enough removal spells you only have so much mana right well, you've got, like, Pia, great options like a danto vanguard that like are you here sure do i still think pia is going to be better um, because again, right. you have you have more cards like you have more reach, right? You have more. It is not an cards. aggro deck, it right? It's like an aggro deck, but it is a mid range deck. It's more of a mid range deck, right? Th- this is a true aggro deck, and so I, I think so. I think if I am going to go out and find a lot of the, um, you know, more mid range or over the top players, this is definitely where I want to be. You know, you're very very strong. You have a lot of protection. Um, you know, you don't mulligan super well is the only thing, but you do have quite a few cantrips. You have to play really, really smart to how are you going to win the game early, you know? Right. And if you don't, then then um, it seems like it's an easier deck to play than it is just based on knowing what you need to kill somebody in that kind of math. I do feel like once you learn the lines, because most of your play ends up in the early game, I do think this is a good deck to start off with because if you're going to turn seven, a lot of times, you know, those decisions matter less, right? It's great to learn them, but your first four turns matter so much. Once you learn those play patterns, I think you can have success with this deck. But again, unfortunately, if you draw the wrong half of your deck, right, you draw too many creatures, you have to draw too many spells. um, You can be, you can be up a creek, right? You don't have a lot of ways to recover or, convert to another game plan right you're kind of all in on winning in these first few turns so that's where you know the deck has been but i do feel like this metagame is shaped up well for it i think it's i mean i just look at this deck list right and i just see dreadlord arcanist and i'm just like this is a card i miss so much in this format yep he has trample also kills bugs dead yeah get a monstrous rage on that guy and then monstrous rage something else Right, right. Give every, every, you get trample. We're Oprah with trample out here, you know? Yeah. Everybody's monstrous, you know? Um, but yeah, the, and also, again, the ability to give trample means you're not just getting chump blocked all day anymore. That's, mm-hmm. that's a big one, so. I know I'm, I'm, a, I'm just expressing all these wants to change names, but, like, uh, we can almost call this Boros Angry, right? Like, we've got Ancestral Anger, Monstrous right. Rage, Reckless Rage. Uh, I prefer right. Boros Angie. Yeah. Angie, Angie, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> molding, Boros molding, something like Boros that. Boros molding, right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's our opponents it. later, right? This yeah. we're not calling it Feather anymore. Featherless right. Feather is Feather. still great. I accept it. 
I'm also looking at these showdown of the scalds, and I know Gigantha doesn't like feather, but like I feel like I feel like we could just play feather in the sideboard. But you know, that's me. Have a higher end threat, sure. And I do like the again. I really think trample makes a big difference in the mono green matchup. That's where I feel like now there's a lot of four butts there um, between um, right. Because a lot of times we switched off the 5-5 five, five down to Pelucranos and things like that. So this does kill old growth trolls. It does kill um, Pelucranos with, uh, you know, Reckless Rage, things like that. So I do feel like our matchup there has gotten a lot better than than what it was. And we, we have a lot bigger chance to yeah. kill a couple 1-1s one and then race in before they have interaction. So, yeah, we kill not only Mono Green, but also a lot of those late game decks. Did you hear about the whole kerfuffle with Cityscape Leveler and Karn? What? There is there is some thread about how it I forget which R which RC it was but it was just like uh, somebody got told like they somebody got told wrong like different rulings like even on both ways with how Cityscape level interacts with Karn's static on the unearth you can't unearth it if your opponent has Karn in play yeah because it's an ability that doesn't cast right yeah Karn says your opponent but the cards in the graveyard right unearth. Hold on, where's the mono green deck here? There's a mono green deck right here, so I can read the cards. It just says if it can't be activated. Right. Abilities. It's, it's usually talking about cards that are in play. Activated abilities of artifacts. Well, I'm not a judge. Just to answer Artifacts the question. your opponent's control. Yeah. Well, wait, so why? Somebody has to, somebody's got to explain to me why you would think that you wouldn't be able to unearth it. Because maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe that's like totally the right thing, but. You don't control a cityscape level while it's in your yard. Um, we did have somebody a long time ago try and activate a um, landfall ability off of something that was in the graveyard because they were like, well, blood gas works in the graveyard. Right. But landfall like, is yeah, not. Yeah. But that's a trigger that says that it works from the graveyard. So they were trying to activate landfall triggers with creatures in the yard. And we had to be like, no, that's not how that, not how that works. So, uh, Speaking of uh, lands, uh, this mono green list playing one of Blossoming Tortoise now. We got a turret sitting there. Make your Nykthos free, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mostly free. Yeah. Mostly free is fine. Make it cost okay. less, right? So Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when Karn gets the axe, this card's going to be there. And I think the deck is still going to be incredibly strong, but we can still have our artifacts back, right? All right. This I deck agree. still looks real strong. But let's get him out of there. Yeah, agreed. I, I do. I don't like the whole. Oh, I can sideboard game one. You know, for whatever your plan is. I just, I'm not a big fan in this right. mono green deck. All right, Man, let's check out this god of pioneer. Apparently, is there nothing else you wanted to? Uh, oh, we went over. Here? Like, it, it's really exciting that there's eight different decks in the top eight, right? Yeah, isn't that? I mean, like no. you can look at gingers like Rakdos mid range, right? Yeah. Uh, like once again, showing off that like. If you have a deck and you know it and you play it well, like I don't think this deck is bad positioned at all. Like it's a very good deck, right? But like Ginger's been playing it for so long and for like seeing like every line that you could possibly play and mm-hmm. pick the cards that they wanted for this event, right? Yeah. And uh, I think that like once again, you can just consistently do well again and again, like learning your decks, learning your options in your sideboard, and like. Just playing very tight, right? So yeah, yeah. we're back uh, there on are, trespassers now, right? Yeah, twelfth uh, place though, uh, Draven Jolicoeur, um on John Midrange's necklace there, and then sixteenth place Carson Bell 
on Golgari Midrange. Also, because a couple decks. Got some Moscow Dread Knights in there. Uh, Moscow Dread Knights and Lord Skitter is interesting to include, I think, in that list that I would like, would not normally consider. Um, that was pretty. Some cool, some cool lists to go through. But as we said, we're going to give Ricky enough, as much time as possible to talk about uh, the bird box. So real quick, let's go over to the God of Pioneer. Um, in eighth place, we have Machina Ryuta on Mono Red. Uh, all seventh place, you have Ito Okada on Lotus Control. Is this just Azorius or is this Band? This is just the Zorius. No, no beanstalks here. Um, also, sixth place, uh, Nomiya Yohai on Boros Heroic. Uh, Yoshimori Show on Edimag Incarnations. Uh, our top four, Koai on Lotus Control as well. Uh, this is the deck we we'll probably want to talk about here. Uh, ono Isayo on Oracle Combo. Uh, in third place. Then in second place, we have Takahashi Yuta on Is It Phoenix? And then, of course, our winner, Mitsui Kiyotaka on Lotus Fields. So that's two wins for Lotus Fields in Big Event this weekend. Wild lists. Which one do you want to talk about? This, real quick, All because right. I think I'm say about it. This Boros Heroic deck has uh, one Electrostatic Infantry. Ooh, okay. Just to, you know, you erase the browse deck there. Yeah. Electrostatic infantry. Yeah, wow. Crazy. All right, so um, like we said, Japan always comes to play. So let's talk about this mono-red list. Mono-red uh, so we got four Soul Scar Mage, four Monsters to Spear, four Bloodthirsty Adversary, four Charming Scoundrel, three Godric Cloaked Reveler, four Commodity Faces Coxon, four Field of Mirror Breaker, four Play with Fire, four Lightning Strike, two Nahiri's Warcrafting. Yo, like uh, this whole this whole deck is wild. We're also playing three Mutavolt, uh, four Den, four Ramanap Ruins, eleven Mountains, uh, like twenty three total lands in the mono red deck. We're playing like Fable. We're playing Bloodthirsty Adversary, which is a card that I have not seen in Pioneer really. Um, and then like our sideboard, even we're playing like Bankbuster, Unlicensed Hearth, three Cough, Fire of Resistance. We're playing big red, but with the little red package. We're playing like uh, the Elder Dragon War. I like this is standard almost. Like the only like non-standard card here, like Mutavolt, Ramianap, and I guess the lands, and then like Soulscar is not in standard. The rest of these cards are all in standard. I guess ba- Bankbuster is banned in standard. If you didn't know, what is the Hiri's Warcrafting? Just it deals five damage. Damage. It kills. It's three mana. Kill a Shieldred. Okay. And if it kills something else, we can maybe get extra cards. Right. Okay. All right. All right. I'm here. Uh, all right. I want to talk about. I want to talk about this this Oracle combo. I'm sure this is going to be the one everyone wants to talk about from here. Um, so let's look here. So um, we do have uh, four Falaji archaeologists, four Stitcher supplier, four Thassa's Oracle. We're playing four Demonic Bargain. Four Treasure Cruise, one Extinction Event, two Thoughtseize, four Consider, four Deadly Dispute, four Fatal Push, one Otherworldly Gaze, one Spell Pierce, one Claim to Fame, and one Dig Through Time. Yo, like how? I mean, we're just on self-mill until we just buy back a Fossil Oracle. Like, like, Demonic Bargain only mills us 13, right? Yeah. Uh, This, I don't know how this did it. 
but you know, it doesn't even mill at exiles, right? So we can't use it for our delve spells. We just have like yeah. Jolly and uh, Citrus Supplier, and then like one, I'm also lost. <laughs> one other worldly gaze. It's a one of is what it says, right? I don't know. Um, like we can tutor it with Demonic Bargain. So like claim. We have, we have dispute to sack off our Citrus Suppliers. Yeah, that draws us two cards and mills us another three. Like, we're not building a big devotion. Hunters, I commend this person. Thassa's Oracle is a mistake. I commend this person entirely. I don't know how you did it. But they but did it. They did the it. God of Pioneer. They they made it into the God, God of Pioneer. Pioneer. What a master. Yeah, you have, you have to be the God of Pioneer to win with this, right? Man, maybe Dark Betrayal in the sideboard. An extra one of Thoughtseize, just in case the two isn't enough. You really want the third one. Once again, Pioneer really, really gets you the agency you're looking for in a game match. Yeah. Two Takanumas. Uh, okay, that's how we mill ourselves. Two Takanumas. Yeah, there we go. All right, uh, real quick before we move on to the Bird Box, I did kind of want to kind of uh, – we, we went a little too – Ricky went a little too fast. We moved me on to Canada. We didn't get to talk about the, uh, the fact that well, Legacy – Well, you said we had to wait till – we couldn't talk about the Phoenix decks till later. Okay, but I did want to talk about the Legacy Europeans who are posted their conversion rates, and I didn't want to kind of talk about that for a second. Okay, go ahead. Um, so I'm going to send this, this link, these two links to you guys real quick. Oh, he wants to talk about things he didn't send us. Oh my god, I yeah. mentioned it. Twi- I mentioned it multiple times. Uh, so as you can see here, so our our day one meta game in Lily, we had Rakdos, Rakdos Midrange actually. Um, the number one deck in the field at 12.44%. Uh, Monger Yersh at 10.22. Uh, the Rack second at 8.44. 7.11 is Phoenix. Uh, so pretty good numbers here. When you look at the day two convert, when you look at day two, uh, Raptors mid range then uh, went ahead and made up 14.2%. Uh, Mono White Humans had a big move. Um, if you look at conversions, so about. Um, Omnathalite, uh, Mono White Humans have had a lower conversion of the field, but they had probably the biggest conversion out of a lot of the more popular deck lists, uh, where they went from 43 to um, 14. I don't know, what do you, what do you guys kind of get a feeling out some of these, some of these conversions here? Um, our biggest conversion was Omnathalite at 52%. Oh, sorry, Azorius Yorian and Enemic Fires were... 66.7 and 66.7 each. Because only three um, people played them, yes. Yeah, so some big, um, big numbers there. <clears throat> it's uh, it's interesting to see conversion rates for sure, right? Uh, Rakdos midrange, though, like really just sort of uh, was the most played deck. I think we always see this with the RCs, right? Rakdos yeah. midrange is always the number one deck on day people one. That, people that don't really play the format just pick up Rakdos midrange because right. that's just boomer jund. Uh, I think we saw a lot more Lotus Field in this event than we did see in Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it didn't, it converted at a decent rate, right? We've got like 31 decks in day one, right? Yeah. Which is kind of wild. Um, Omnath to Light has a really high conversion rate, but a very small like starting number. So uh, five color Yorian over here though, 11 to zero players. Rough. Yeah. I, I will say I, I I do think like the transition into Lotus Field is a good choice when you're looking at a lot of you're considering what's kind of the more predominant. Lotus Field is a deck that I feel like 
doesn't we don't see a lot of outside of these big paper events just because who wants to play it on Mitgo really? Um, and it always I feel like is one of those decks people kind of forget about, and then it just always does well because it is a very powerful deck in the format. Uh, it just like doesn't get represented as well in the online meta, right? And then especially when you look at the meta where it is right now, I think the meta is pretty soft to Lotus Field. So uh, I think it's a it's a good time to kind of move in when you think about the decks being like uh, Rakdos Sacrifice being very popular. Uh, decks like Spirits are kind of getting pushed out a bit. So some of your bad matchups are kind of getting pushed out. And these kind of mid-rangey piles are kind of moving it back in, which is where they can interact with you. So that's where you want to be with Lotus Field. So Right. I mean, the, the format is always like a very living format, right? Mm-hmm. As I've said, like things will become good which will push other decks out which makes it like the format ripe for other things right like the <clears throat> the phoenix players push out the spirits and mono white players uh which means that lotus can come in again and stuff like that like the world goes round and round and round you know yeah. i think the fact that we're seeing like eight different decks in top eight and like in and in lily we're seeing like quite a few like six different decks in top eight like that's just really exciting and they're not always the same eight decks you know so I think it's a really healthy format. I think so too. Um, all right. But of course, still ban Karn. Get it out of here. Yeah. Karn's not fun. Nothing, nothing will be missed. Right. All right. Uh, so, all right, Ricky. It's time. It's time. Unseal the bird box. It's time. We've got – I've where got the, on my desk. Where is, the, where is the physical bird box? Uh, it's in two boxes. Oh, hold on. I only bird. said one bird box, not bird, bird boxes. boxes. Well, you got wow. – the current 75, and then all the other cards that you could play that are so okay, easy right. to slide in. In fact, if I had all of these cards in here, I would be disqualified at your local RCQ level during a deck check. No, 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 no. You would be you would be given a root beer, a root beer float, uh-huh. and sat down around a pile of Care Bears to make you feel warm and fuzzy. Right, And right, it would right. be explained that, hey, we know that you weren't trying to cheat, you know? Right. We, we did run a background check. You've been convicted of fraud seven times. That doesn't mean anything. Right, you know? right. You're, right. You're, this is a safe space where you're coming. Well, I don't want to sound too. We're welcoming here. The stroke is over. Right, right. <laughs> you get the idea. You get the idea. You get the idea. You're just going for being Speaker of the House, but you can you can still play Pioneer. That's right, exactly right. right. That's exactly right. Uh, so, like, let's start nice and easy, right? I think the one of the best things about Pioneer – and one of the best things about playing Phoenix, uh, aside from all the player agency you get, is the number of different cards that you can play in your 75, depending on your meta and what you're looking to do with your Phoenix deck and uh, what you like in your play style. And I'm going to show you how absolutely adaptable this deck is to change depending on the meta that you're in. And we're going to take it nice and easy with a start with the lands. Lands, uh, we only need 18 of them. So that's step one, 18 lands, and the the standbys that you're going to play almost every time is four of Steam Vents, uh, four of the red-blue pathway, and three to four of, right now it's four of on everybody's list, of Spire Bluff Canal. Then from there, we've got, you know, 12 lands, so we need six more. Some people play Storm Carved Coasts. Some people play two basic islands, one basic island. Uh, some people play Hall of the Storm Giants. I've seen 
Some people play Dan of the Bugbear. Normally, like one Odawara, sometimes a Sokinzan. But the general consensus is that, like, your four ofs are your Spire Bluff, your Pathway, and your Steam Vents. And then from there, fill in the other six lands you want to play. Uh, I personally think that, like, two Hall, one Odawara, two Stormcarved Coast, and the uh, basic island that we mentioned earlier is, like, pretty pretty much where you want to be. What's your preferred basic island? Um, uh, all text. In uh, in any competitive deck I've been playing with, uh, I've tried to play the all text. Unless it's, like, a mono red deck where I play a lot of basics. And, Until Cowboy Lands come out. And then Cowboy Lands will come out, right. You do want to play two secret lands that are also spells. And uh, it's Juari Ruins and Spikefield Hazard. And essentially, you play two of them. One of them is always Spikefield Hazard. Sometimes both of them are Spikefield Hazard. If there's a lot of aggro decks in your area, you know, local Elvish Mystics in your area. Mm-hmm. Uh, is. You know, looking to get fielded. Then you play the double Spikefield Cave. Uh, you will cast these as spells and play them as lands. Depending, you're never like only casting one side of it. And then the Jwari, uh Ruins card is like a bad counter spell. You're almost always playing as a land, uh, but we'll catch a few of the like more mid rangey decks like just out. Like catching Shieldred just on turn four is like huge. Uh, I like one and one. Currently, if the meta becomes more aggro, I switch to two Spikefield Cave. And the big thing about these that you have to remember is that you can pick them up off pieces of the puzzle. So you can get lands off pieces of the puzzle. That's the lands. Next, uh, most importantly, is Four the threats. Four Drakes. The threats. We're going to get into the threats. Uh, number one, Four Phoenix. You have to. Oh, it's you not Crackling Drake. Phoenix. It's not Crackling Drake, Ricky. Uh, now we get into controversy. Uh, Ledger Shredders or Thing in the Ice or Demi Lich are the go-to threats in the main board. And Ricky hates one of them. I don't hate any of them. I love all uh, of my... I, all I feel of like my Ricky, Ricky, Ricky is a blood feud against uh, Ledger Shredder. I don't know if you know this. No, I um, all foil Ledger Shredders. Uh, that's nice and all, but uh, we've heard you disparage many a Ledger Shredder before. I think that in the current metagame, where there's mm-hmm. a lot of mono green mm. and a lot of aggro decks running around, Thing in the Ice is a better card to play uh-huh. right now. Chris, what do, you, what do you think about this? How do you think about Chris's, uh, Ricky's sorted pass with Ledger Shredder? Unlike Ricky, right? Unlike Ricky, I don't hate Ledger Shredders, okay? I never have. Um, we don't hate anybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh, but I will agree. I will agree that Thing in the Ice is too many free wins right now. The one thing I will tell you is that as if you're saying a lot of Boros Heroic, your Ledger Shredders can sometimes get you some some value first before right. your before it just straight up dies to a whatever. So a lot of people have come very ready with rending volleys and whatnot, and so I think it might be time to either you know protect your thing in the ice or whatever. But thing in the ice is free wins against uh, mono green. Um, it's free wins against a lot of creature decks. Right, spirits doesn't deal with it super well. So there's a lot of reasons to be playing thing in the ice right now, but it's time could be shifting. You know, right. 
I think that Ledger Shredder and Thing in the Ice are... So Thing in the Ice is very bad against Rakdos Midrange and Rakdos Sack. You'd much rather be playing like the Ledger Shredder against Rakdos Midrange. Rakdos Sack, you just don't want to play any creatures. Yep. Um, because you don't want to give them up. But uh, Ledger Shredder, also very good in like the midrange matchups. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you can get a lot, especially off of like Bring to Light. They cast the second card. You get to card draw off the Ledger Shredder. And then maybe that gets you into a spot where you find a counter spell, right? Um, yep. Thing in the Ice does nothing against uh, Lotus Field. Technically, Ledger Shredder is better in the Lotus Field matchup. The matchup's so abysmal. I don't think it matters. Uh, and then we have what, what Demi-Lich. about Demi-Lich there, though? Should, oh, shouldn't Demi-Lich, Demi-Lich be coming in over some of the Shredders, maybe? Demi-Lich is hot right now. Yeah. Demi-Lich uh, is a free card if you cast four instant sorcerers in your turn. Otherwise, it costs one mana if you cast three. And in the world uh, of Sleight of Hand... That feels it, more possible gonna, now than ever. Absolutely. It's a 4-3, uh, but you can cast it from your graveyard by exiling instance of sorceries, which we have a lot of. And then whenever it attacks, you may exile any instant sorcery in your graveyard and cast it. This card just gets you back into games that you have no business being in. It punishes people for not playing exile removal, and there are more hits on your uh, pieces of the puzzle. So you are absolutely fine with them going to the graveyard because you're going to recast them out of the yard when you have cast four spells. Uh, and those, I think, are the best main deck threats. And I would play eight to ten, never more than ten, never less than eight, in my opinion. People have been, and I've got to update this now, because people are now messing around with Pick Lock Prankster. Mm-hmm. I don't hate it. It's like It's kind of like a mini pieces of the puzzle, right? Two mana, we mill four, we get one card. It's the middlest uh, of both worlds. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And it's better than when people were playing just that um, Secret the Keeper. Merfolk Secret Keeper or whatever, More, right? It's like, better than Merfolk Secret Keeper. It is a 1-3 flying vigilance on the back half for two mana. I just personally think that the card's not good enough. I have not tested personally, so I can't say for sure. But what I, I don't believe that it's nearly as good as any of the other threats you could be playing. Sideboard threats, we have Crackling Drake. It's what everybody goes to. The theory is it's powerful under graveyard removal, which is true, because it counts your exiled instances of sorceries. And it replaces itself when cast. So in attrition wars, like against Rakdos midrange, the card is very good. Um, I'm going to blow your mind here. If you're looking for cards for the attrition matchup, uh, it's almost always better to be Jaya. Like against Rakdos Sacrifice and against Rakdos Midrange, Jaya is a house of a Planeswalker against them. It is really hard for them to remove simply uh, because it's a Planeswalker and they don't play many Dreadbores anymore. Uh, it makes 1-1 prowess creatures that will win you the game if they don't get answered. And when you cast cantrips on your opponent's turn, they trade with... Uh, they're very expensive mid-range cards that have Ward discard a card. Uh, her bottom two abilities are never used ever. You don't want to alter, and her minus two sucks, but plus one for a dude every turn, and then minus one to dig for another card when you're stuck. Uh, both amazing. The Planeswalker most people are used to bringing in as a Planeswalker threat be Sahili, the Sublime Artificer, making us a artifact token every time we cast a non-creature spell, which is important. Uh, And then she can make your servos into other creatures, which 
can be cool to copy a Phoenix or a Ledger Shredder to swing for game or get double triggers. Um, it does not work with Thing in the Ice like it used to. But can copy hey, a Demi-Lich. You can copy a Demi-Lich. And if you're playing Crackling Drake, yes. If you have a Servo it doesn't, token sitting it doesn't work with, th- with Thing in the Ice anymore. It has become a... Well, it never did. But okay. there was a brief moment where an interpretation of the rules, thanks to uh, War of the Spark and Incubator tokens, right. made people uh, think that if you made a copy of Thing in the Ice with a servo token and then cast a spell, you would flip the servo token into... Who is people, Ricky? People is me. I did this <laughs> um, with the judge's approval somewhere in Houston, and I'm sorry. But it was kind of cool. Um, the last threat, and I will mention it as a threat, is hearse in your sideboard. Uh, it's graveyard removal first, and then it makes like any random token or any random duder just like swing for a ton of damage late in the game. Uh, if you're still running Sokinzan, some people are, some people aren't in the land section, you can like discard Sokinzan to just crew your hearse and win out of nowhere. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a, a sweet sideboard card it's an option for you for sure as i said everything is options uh but for threats you definitely want eight eight to ten main board threats and then your sideboard threats you're going to want at least four so you can switch up your game plan in your sideboard uh because you don't want to get stuck with only graveyard based threats you can take out phoenixes and bring in other threats that don't lose to like leyline of the void rest in peace and stuff like that so go ahead and do that uh, with that said, let's move on to the core of the deck. Uh, the core of the deck is four sleight of hand, four consider, four opt. Uh, never don't play all 12 cantrips. The 12s. Uh, always play all four of each sleight of hand, consider, and opt. That's non-negotiable. Also non-negotiable, four of the, probably the, the second best or best removal spell in the format uh, fiery impulse, uh, four of fiery impulse, like required. You get to be the deck that plays this card. It's one mana for three damage. If you have spell mastery to any creature at instant speed, uh, and that's just your best creature removal per rate. That isn't fatal push. Uh, also three to four lightning axe. Some people like to play three. Some people like to play four. I like three. Sometimes I play four if I'm like. In the problem is like it kills Shieldred. It's your answer to Shieldred, but it puts you behind in cards in the Rakdos matchup, which is not where you want to be unless you are specifically discarding Demi Lich or Phoenix. So Lightning Axe is kind of a, a two-edged axe, you know? But uh in most matchups, it's like one of the most valuable cards. And you want to just hold one until Adelaine or Shieldred hits the table. I'm I'm always I'm always impressed with Phoenix in that like obviously we think of like Rakdos as like the interactive deck in the format right, but Phoenix can kill a lot of creatures. Yeah, like you really just you want to be playing about eight, eight to ten removal spells. Like depending on if you consider your spike field hazards removal spells. Um, I also like one of a braid. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in the sideboard, sometimes in the main board, but one of a braid as a removal option is very important. Like Ricky and I, Ricky and I were playing some games this weekend between Grand Archive rounds, and I was trying out my uh, my Ligari list, and his hands were just like double temper or double impulse plus like lightning axe. I'm just like, 
I guess yep. I'm just never going to have a board and just die to this kill, one bird. Kill your Dread Knights. Kill your Shieldred. Yeah. Uh, the last thing that I think is like you have to play in every single list that's just core uh, is four of pieces of the puzzle. I used to make fun of this card. I have laughed. I no longer laugh. This card is knowing when you are allowed to cast your pieces of the puzzle is what's going to make or break your like gameplay lines in Phoenix. The card is very powerful. Three mana mills you five cards, gets you two back. Mathematically, that's what should happen. It does not always happen. I've whiffed more pieces than I can count, but you also count it as hits if you hit Phoenixes or Demi Liches. So if I get a one target pieces, but I knocked two Phoenixes into the into the yard, I, I say all W all day, right? Mm-hmm. It's also going to fuel your delve spells, which is like really important. Sometimes you take nothing off of pieces of the puzzle or just take a treasure cruise, so that way you can fuel it and cast it the same turn, right? Um, then after that, we're going to get into uh, cards that you can play and shift around depending on your meta. Uh, number number one is uh, what is your delve package going to look like? We can go straightforward. I don't know what Chris likes, right? Big decision. I, I don't like the extra turn spells right now. I've I, just been... I, I'm with you right now. Right now, I'm with you. I'm on four treasure crews, never lose, draw cards all day, right? The other option is you play three treasure crews and two temporal trespass with a number of galvanic iteration, normally one or two. Galvanic iteration being the card that copies your next spell and it has flashback. Very powerful card, very powerful instant. If you play the temporal package, you're going to play less chart of course in order to make room for the package, uh, which means that honestly, I find that without chart of course and lightning axe, I can't ever discard my Demi Liches, my Phoenixes. Like it's hard to get them out of my hand and into the yard. So that's why currently I don't think the Temporal Trespass wins as many games as just drawing more cards and being consistent with Treasure Cruise right now, especially because a lot of my games are coming down to just like wiping the board with uh, with like Thing in the Ice and just sort of cascading advantage from there. If you are playing against more like mid-rangey decks that tap out a lot and don't interact on your turn, then Temporal Trespass is like way better, right? But like nothing feels worse than like double casting Temporal Trespass, going to attack with two birds, and your opponent plays like a uh, double leyline binding, and then like you're you take two turns and do nothing, right? And then your opponent gets to keep playing Omnath. So like when I mean like mid range, I mean like more like less interactive decks, right? Like the fires decks that don't play the leyline binding, right? Or don't play on your turn once they have fires in play, right? That's what I mean. Not like the bring delight decks, right? So. Uh, if we don't play Temporal Trespass, we get to play up to like three copies of Charter Course, which is a sick little two mana draw two, discard a card. If you attacked, you get to keep the two, uh, which means that late game against like Rakdos Midrange, you're just drawing two cards for one card and getting ahead of them because you attacked with something, with anything, right? I've thrown Servo Tokens away. I've thrown uh, even Ledger Shredders and Demiliches away just so I could get two cards with uh, Charter Course, right? Uh, very important to remember that that has a second mode and you don't need to be discarding to it. Um, I'm going to interject real quick. Yeah. 
just because I, I do feel like one of the things that the you know taking turns is obviously very good. I think it does it right. can make your deck a sick combo deck, and I think that's a fine way to play it. I think there are plenty of times that that's what you need to win is just going well. Cool, I took two extra turns. I've got one phoenix or two phoenixes. You're dead before you can untap. So I, I do like that just fine, um, but that's obviously something that usually happens later in the game. And again, there's plenty of decks like a Lotus Field where that does absolutely nothing because by the time you can do that, you're dead. You know, right. one also card wait. that I think that doesn't see any play anymore, but I really like, especially for local meta games, is still Is It Charm, and that's one place that you can fit that in if you don't play the Taking Turns package and you you know trim on Charter Courses. You have so many cantrips that cards are like that or even if you're a spell pierce fan you don't like that and i you want to get spell into the is it charm chris but i'm glad okay we're getting up. there we're getting talk there. about talk about is it charm so so is it charm is it charm is very flexible so in this conversation i wanted to bring up two cards is it charm spell pierce usually i have just had the worst luck with drawing spell pierces at the worst times i've not been a fan but since we've added sleight of hand and our cantrip count is so incredibly high i do feel like it's earned its place back where that is a fine card that i just it was a hard time convincing me to play it before you really just, it just would sit in your hand. Sometimes it'd be terrible. That's where I really liked. Is it charm? Because is it charm just is the ultimate flex card, right? Especially in, in the field where it's like a lot of people just aren't expecting it. They don't expect you to have options for a counter spell, but one of the best things you can do early game, right? You don't, you, you know, experienced players will tell you, especially with Phoenix, you don't just go firing off cantrips on early turns that could have changed with the addition of sleight of hand, but you know, you, you need those one drops. You really want those one drops for key Phoenix terms. So it's perfectly fine to pass the turn um, and wait and see if your opponent's going to do something or, you know, instead of just trying to dig for nothing, right? If there's cards you need, you know, you're digging for lands, of course, right? You want to play those cantrips if you're digging for lands, if you're looking for certain cards, looking for kill spells, whatever it might be. But um, is it charm has that flexibility in, you know, countering something and dealing to damage something where you need it to be. So, it really is kind of all the things, especially with some of these, hey, I'm going to like against green even, right? Uh, I'm going to counterspell a, a ramp spell or I'm going to kill an early elf if I'm on the play, mostly, right? right? So, um, but it counters Karns, which is not something that a lot of people can expect. So I really like the versatility of Is It Charm? And I think that they're easy cards to sideboard out for more targeted hate. So you can tell me your thoughts on it, but I just I love the flexibility that Is It Charm gives. I think that Is It Charm is in the same slot as Spell Pierce, and I was going to mention that I think that Superior Counterspell in the main board is two copies of Spell Pierce because I I've been uh, the the one mana to Spell Pierce just like comes up so often. It's yep. important to have it to like stop a Thought Seize on turn one, right? Sure. If you're on the play, uh, sure. it stops like just a bunch of cards that you wouldn't expect it to stop. It is completely dead in mono white humans. Like it might catch an ossification, right? But right. even their creatures are removal spells. So like it's, it's bad there, but like hitting fable like is crazy. And like, sure. this player is like never expected. They never expect their fable to, to not happen. Right. Um, using it to catch Iska's chariot, using it to catch Karn, using it to catch like, a flashed back uh, storm the festival or the first go of storm the festival. Whenever you can find the moment to like make them have to pay two more mana and they can't do it right. Uh, cards insane. I think uh, it's been an all star and at one mana is what makes it insane. I like is it charm, but our removal has become so efficient now. 
I don't think we need the removal option as often. And especially with the cantrips that we have now. I don't yeah, I, like I'll be we, honest again. I was a very, I was very firm on no spell priest before was very firm on as, as much as people liked it, that it, the flexibility right. that is it charm gave it one more mana where it just, it wouldn't cost us clunkiness. It was far superior in my opinion, but I do think now with the extra one mana cantrips, I do think it's a lot closer and obviously spell pierce is just generally considered a more, a more playable card. So right. I, I'm with you in that. I definitely like the spell pierce, but again, if you're, if you're, there's a lot of places where I like the flexibility, you know? That's the base of Phoenix. That's every option. For the most part in the main board, I mentioned the Abrades, the Is it Charms, the Spell Pierces. But now we're going to lightning round through just the sideboard cards. Just real quick, just to mention all the cards you could play in your sideboard. Not going to go too deep into them, right? Um, we're going to talk about Brotherhood's End. It's just the best three-mana board wipe in red. Uh, Rending Volley being just the best hate card for the... Colors that always want to do garbage, like that you need to answer, like Reese Fang, Spirits, uh, Mono White Humans, it kills Adelaine, Cards Insane. Uh, we've got Mystical Dispute, your best hoser in the mirror or any blue matchup. Aether Gust, which is an insane hoser against Mono Green. Uh, Alpine Moon, one of your two options you have against uh, winning the Lotus Field matchup. Uh, Invasive Surgery, the other option you have against trying to win the Lotus Field matchup you want to exile all their emergent ultimatums uh, or all of their, like, I, I don't even think it's safe to go for hidden strings. I think you need to try to catch their emergent ultimatums specifically. Uh, disdainful stroke is you don't want to commit to a color hoser counterspell, So you're just playing disdainful stroke. Uh, change the equation is another option. Uh, it counters more uh, in red and green, but it doesn't work the same as aether gust. Some people like it. Some people don't roast Kills Shieldred dead. Uh, Reality Shift is a funny one. Kills Shieldred, kills any creature, exiles it. It's an exile effect in blue. Uh, Negate, if you absolutely want to, you can play Negate as a counterspell. Uh, Fires of Victory is a card that sees a lot of play in sideboards. I keep it around in case I want to play it. Uh, Draws us a card, then deals damage equal to cards in our hand. If we kick it, always a little too expensive for me. And then Narset's Reversal, which is... I think maybe Chris's favorite card in existence. Uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, it, the thing is, you have such draw power that, like, I've played, unfortunately, against a lot of players who don't have experience against Phoenix, where they were they were very upset, quite frankly, um, at some of my draws. But, I mean, you're looking over the course of the game, at the end of the game, I have 30 cards left in my library, and they still have, you know, 45 or something. And the reality is, you get a lot, you almost get a cardboard because you see so many more cards. So two ofs, you're going to see a ton. So I do I, like the, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, the Lotus Field players immediately go to Thought Distortion and go, well, now here's my combo. I'm just going to win the game off this. And the Narset's reversal is just an instant win the game for you. It's, just, right. it's a I win button. It's almost, it, it's the more powerful against green. So, uh, it, yeah. It's the Uno Reverse card of magic. It is the Uno reverse card. Yeah, it is. It is literally the Uno, Uno reverse card, and it is a way to immediately take a game of against you know Lotus Field and just win it. Right. I've I've never had obviously somebody come back. Nobody's tried. Uh, usually, most people when I've done it, I've done, I've done it twice, and they've scooped every single time. Right. So. There's tears. Right. It can yeah. be worth it if you if you're Sometimes seeing some Lotus Field. Even. Yeah, if you're seeing some Lotus Field, that's definitely the way the way to go. And again, with just two of them, you're so much more likely to see it given how many cards you draw. You're going to see your sideboard cards almost every like game. 
Like in games two and three, I think like you should see your sideboard cards at least one of those two games. I think like, and almost always like you'll see one sideboard card. Like I, that's the thing about Phoenix, right? Is you just can dig so hard that like your sideboard's really important because you're going to see it all the time. And I played two ofs of like most of the cards in the sideboard. Very few one ofs, uh, but you know we play a couple every now and then, and just like that's all you need. You're going to find them, you know. Mm-hmm. Chris, any other thoughts? Any other cards you don't think I mentioned that belong in the Phoenix discussion? No, I think uh, you covered it really well. The uh, only thing I didn't cover is a uh, God of Pioneer edition of Questing Druid. Um, oh, okay. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna say anyone's wrong. Yeah. Uh, as they are playing Botanical Sanctums, four of to maybe eventually cast the other half of it, but uh, I don't think so. I think I'm more into Picklock over Questing Druid, and I'm not into Picklock, so. I mean, I think that this deck, like, you could pick up all these cards relatively cheap, right? Yeah, and, outside uh, the lands. Yeah, I mean, outside the lands. But, like, the lands should also be really cheap now, too, because uh, you get all five of the fast lands in a secret layer for $30 now. Uh, so, like, Spirebluff Canals, because of that, Spirebluff Canals are down to, like, 7 bucks, right? Yep. The yeah. Pathways are, like, $5, and then after Ravnica Remastered comes out, yeah. like, Steam Vents are going to be, like, sub- Sub ten probably sub, yeah, everyone's be, sub twelve. Everyone's be trade in for old border shocks or just yeah. start be on the market right. for non old. You're gonna be shocks. able to get those old right. ones super cheap. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I really just, I mean, I, I love the price of Pioneer, right? I think there's so many things to like right. about the format. And again, if it's not for you, it's not for you. I, I really think that people are starting to come around on on modern, going like, wait a minute, this feels like interaction to the point of nothing really matters, you know. Um, there are certainly decisions to be made, just like there are in Pioneer. I certainly love by attacking and blocking. That's the way I started playing Magic. And, um, you know, Planeswalkers don't run the format. So that's the Magic I like to play. I think it is a great format. And, and again, you can run into anything, and certainly matchups do matter a lot. That's always been the game. Um, that's why we've always people have always struggled to find anti-meta decks. And again, it's so cheap to have a collection and play. Um, I really just can't think, don't think that could be understated. A lot of those top decks we were seeing are under 300 bucks. Um, especially right. if you get, if you're willing to shave the most expensive cards, you could be getting them for 100, 150, some top tier right. competitive decks. So, um, I mean, like Phoenix is one of them. Phoenix is like the actual Phoenixes are what, like four dollars, five dollars each, right? Something like that now. And like the Ledger Shredders have gone down. Thing in the Ices are dirt cheap if you want to play Thing in the Ice build, right? Yeah. Amulet costs nothing, and then the whole deck is commons and uncommons. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. so I I think that personally. I think you can't go wrong investing in Phoenix because it's a deck that that has such a wide card pool that you can adapt your 75 to whatever meta you kind of need to adapt to, right? There's yep. more mono white running around. You play extra removal spells. You play a braid main deck, right? Like there's extra like black red midrange heading around. You bring in your Jayas. You bring in your uh, Planeswalker cards. You bring in your Disdainful Stroke to catch the Shieldred, your Gross to catch the Shieldred. And, uh, you know, keep on, keep on trucking, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think yep. personally, it's just, it's the most fun I've had playing Pioneer. And I've had a lot of fun playing a lot of decks in Pioneer. You get to draw a lot of cards, which is cool. Again, I think one of the things that can be frustrating is you, you don't have answers in every matchup. And that's just how magic goes sometimes, right? Right. Um, you can't, you literally cannot answer a resolved rest in peace or a turn one Layla. Right. Like you, 
You can Odawara maybe. Maybe right. you can Odawara it. But like you can't remove those cards. So you, yeah. you have to adapt to win in the situations where Rest in Peace and, and Leyline of the Void come in against you, right? Yep. Mm. Learning that and learning how to side out your Phoenixes, like learning when you need to be like the aggressor, learning when you need to be a control deck is all part of the Phoenix quest, your journey. You'll find the same waterfall I sat under and uh, <laughs> bang my head against the wall until I learned that I shouldn't have been opting in the end step of my opponent's turn when I needed three spells, you know? Right. It's a it's a lot of decisions and it's a lot of thinking, but it's a lot of fun and you draw a lot of cards, so it's very instantly rewarding. Yeah, you have a lot of tools to stop the um, you know popular decks like Grease Fang, right? Like right. the cool thing is like a lot of the popular decks that like you know, hey, somebody who's started off playing Rakdos Midrange and may not have moved off it, you've got great tools against Rakdos Midrange. You've got great tools against some of the popular fun decks like um, you know. Uh, Grease Fang uh, against humans, right? You got a little spell. So there's a lot of decks that you you have some great play patterns against that are very popular and common. So I think and, it can be a good time. Obviously, you know, it's you will learn to. I think it also teaches you great sideboarding when it's like you're not you don't just sideboard for your opponent, right? You know that your opponent's sideboarding for you, and that's mm-hmm. more important in this matchup. So being being ready for that turn one ley line of the void or being ready for that whatever where, you know, you're going to be more reliant on the pieces of the puzzle and, um, you know, just regular old beatdowns where, like, sometimes casting a 3-2 haster for 4 will win you the matchup when your opponent just thought all they needed, you know, they mulligan a bad hand into the later of the void, and then you're just like, well, that doesn't stop me from flipping a thing in the ice, you know? Right, right. Um, and potentially protecting it. So a lot of value um, to be there. Yeah, I, I love it, and I think that it's uh, the most agency you can have in the game and it does have a good matchup against the four and five color mid-range leyline binding decks uh, if your name is not Chris Klum. That's what he says. I've, I've never experienced anything close to that. But, uh, you know, listen, I didn't sit a, I haven't found that waterfall yet. You know, I was sticking to the rivers and the lakes that I was used to. Right. You know? And so I mean, maybe that's where I went wrong. You ain't lived till you've, like, spell-pierced the, the bring to light and they don't know what to do anymore. You know? Right. When, when they realize that Omnath loses to every single hate card, like, you can Mystical Dispute and Rending Volley Omnath. Did you know sure. that you can Mystical Dispute Omnath? It, it is, exactly. Card. It's a blue card. Yeah. So, you can also uh, Aether Gust him. You can Aether Gust him. You, he dies to every single... I know they're kind of, like, off Omnath, but, like, I was just saying, like, back in the day. That's what I got to say. I hope I've inspired more bird players uh, to go out and uh, discover the true most fun experience of pioneer, the most electrifying move in <laughs> pioneer entertainment television, right, you know, right. the people's call, the people's <laughs> call. I like that. I like uh, the people's call. Yeah, All right. Well, thank you, Ricky, for, for giving our listeners the, the sage wisdom. You can of, open your eyes going... now. The, the bird box is over. You're not going to get the boxes over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What even is the plot? Like they look at things and they go crazy. Yeah. And like we gotta protect the blind side? That's the same movie, right? Yeah, yeah. but I mean I miss our bird our boy from Bird Box card that we used to have. Yeah, yeah. I should find I should try and find some Alan and Ginger to crack it during extra life. Heck yeah, that'll be a blast. Speaking of extra right. life. Speaking of extra life, uh I am keeping everyone aware that up on the November the eleventh we'll be doing our extra life stream as a Saturday 
Uh, we've got the schedule kind of in flux and figuring being figured out. But one of the things we potentially be doing uh, is I have a poll going on on Twitter right now, uh, and then I'm going to open up the similar poll in Discord uh, to hopefully have this decided by next week's episode. And that is whether or not uh, our stretch goal from last year's extra live stream of me playing at least uh, three games of League of Legends, of which I am loath to do, but I will do it for as a thank you for everyone helping us raise so much money for Extra Life this last year, to play at least three games of League on stream for everyone. And the poll is going to be whether or not uh, we should stream this where Ricky and Chris are playing on the same team as me, or if we include this block of League of Legends on this year's Extra Life stream with Chris and Ricky coaching me in person during the extra live stream. So first so, off, we're going to need a Nokia N gauge and we're going to be your teammates playing from the Nokia N gauge. Well, Chris said he you found get, where, they, where everyone plays. So that way you can get a, uh, you know, you can get the full experience of having uh, teammates that walk into the wall and then uh, glitch yeah. into the enemy team. Well, I just, I just know you're going to be just the only thing I'm going to get from you guys in, in, in voice chat is just ja, 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 ja. <laughs> right. You know? Exactly. Right. Gonna play the way we played, you know. It could, yeah. you know. Ping, 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 ping. Yeah. So, um, also, as I said last week, also the Speed Racer commentary is up on Patreon. So be sure to go listen to that and watch along to the best anime live at live action adaptation that's ever been made of all time. So be sure to check that out uh, and watch along with us. And then Ricky and I uh, will hopefully at some point soon, um, if not just before extra life or potentially maybe just just why after we do this, that this weekend we could try to do that this weekend no why didn't we do that oh why didn't we yeah, yeah we could have done that on sunday for sure yeah we'll figure it out we've got, we've got right, we got right. a few weeks we got weeks we got time we got time <laughs> uh so we're gonna do the lame is sing along uh so yeah that'll, that'll that should catch us up i believe um we're gonna start thinking of, of stretch goals this year I, oh man there was something I was going to say we were going to watch. Oh, this year for sure, I think we're going to put the uh, Ruckman recites all the Fast and Furious plots. Right, right, right. Including 10 and 10-2. And 10-2. you got to uh, predict it if it's not out yet. Oh, I need to. I do need to predict. Oh, we need to like figure out like what are my – like what do I get – like what are the time limits of me telling the plots for these? Like what is my – 30 is the challenge? Yeah, one minute per film. One minute per film? Yeah. No notes. No, no notes. And I typically know what Ludacris does in every film. Okay. All right. All right. So, all right. Okay. All right. But am I allowed to rewatch them before we do this? We'll discuss. Okay. We'll discuss the rules for this. Uh, we'll make it fun and we'll make it entertaining. It's going to be entertaining because it's Fast Furious, right? Uh, anyway, uh, so that will be, like I said, November 11th. Um, I, we, we will – Stretch goals, like I've said, are going to be a little different, or not stretch goals, but kind of rewards for joining me a little different. So there's a big raffle at the end. We're going to kind of just have an ongoing thing during the stream where donations of certain amounts will earn, will just kind of air quotes buy you booster packs that will open on screen, booster box break style. We'll send you the cards. We'll get to keep all the cards you open. Uh, we'll have bounties for certain cards that will uh, give you pools from the grab bag, uh, which will range from. Um, not like bulk, bulk rare, but you know, we're talking like some decent value cars to like, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you get like an Agatha's Cauldron or like a Moonshaker Cavalry or a, fate, cards. 
Yeah, we'll stop. We'll definitely. I was gonna say um, there might be an option as to anything you can just option if you want your stuff signed or not as well. Right. Um, so that'll be an option. So anyway, um, so more on that as we get, of course, get closer. But just a reminder, of course, uh, and of course, every episode is sponsored by Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/Crew3MTG. We have several great tiers available. Uh, of course, all of them do give you access to our Patreon-only channels and then the Patreon mailbag. Um, and the if you are a member of Patreon mailbag, you ask a question that uh, will uh, we will answer on the show. And uh, your question could sound something like this. This question comes from Kevman, who asks, what are the crew's thoughts on wedding announcement as an engine? Maybe Great Henge also. So um, this kind of reference to an episode Chris and I did about two weeks ago where we talked about uh, just value engines and just sort of main engines and pioneer. Um, I mean, classically, I would say that wedding announcement is kind of like one of the best alternatives to um, to to Fable the Mirror Breaker, right? Especially if you're going to be in a more aggressive shell. One thing I like about this is um, you can kind of control which option you hit, right? Like you, you can kind of, if you need the cards, right, you don't have to swing all in and you can, or if you need the cards, you can kind of control it. Uh, but also at that same time, your opponent does also kind of get to control your ability to hit which one you need. But if you're getting a token, the tokens are generally good. And of course, uh, once the value is done, you do get a just anthem effect that you, you just need to make sure you remember because your opponent's going to forget about it, but you need to remember as well. Uh, I know I've forgotten about when my opponents have a uh, have a flipped uh, wedding the answer. The card vanishes time. from Ruckman's Cognition when it flips over. It's very true. It That's vanished from my opponent. To be fair, it vanished from my opponent's Cognition as well. Right. It's your version of Reach. Yeah. Uh, right, what, do you, what, do, what do you guys think of um, of wedding announcement? Then we'll talk about Henge real quick. I hate wedding announcement. I don't like the card. Playing it's, with it or against it? Both. I played it in the standard RC in my uh, in my infect deck, and that card was uh, unbelievably terrible. I resolved it a bunch of times that I brought in from the sideboard, and it makes me tokens that don't have infect when I don't have cards, and it draws me cards when I have creatures on the board. Mm-hmm. And don't need cards. And then the anthem. I don't like. I didn't like anything about it in that deck because that deck was not good for wedding announcement. Yeah. Uh, playing against it, it's frustrating because the first one is absolutely fine. I'm like, my opponent plays a wedding announcement, and I'm like, sure, I don't care, right? My opponent plays the second wedding announcement, and now I'm in trouble. Now, now the game's on. Right, like. Now all of their creatures are plus two, plus two, and I'm never killing any of them ever again, right? Adeline is like a, a 538, and I'm never killing her. And uh, and I lose, you know? So uh, personally, I think it's a good engine. I do think it's very close to like Fable, the Mirror Breaker, but mm-hmm. uh, I feel like it gets exponentially better. Like the second Fable isn't as good as the first Fable, but the second wedding announcement is like, so much better than the first wedding announcement. Yeah. So it's really it's really one of those cards where like at least in Pioneer, right? It it is like a card that I don't know if you're necessarily ever mainboarding right, but the matchups where you're bringing it from the sideboard, it always feels good. Right. 
Yeah. Um, when those tokens are good, they're good, right? And that, that's, yeah. that's the reality of it. And again, if you're yeah. a deck that takes advantage of the backside, great. And if you're not, it's probably because you really want those tokens for either some um, transmogrify shenanigans or otherwise. And, and that's kind of do, you know, that's kind of where I think, Hey, look, this is a card that does give you value over several turns. Um, but it's up to you to keep the board in a place where those tokens have value. So like, I think the problem is like fable feels good pretty much all the time. You know, it's getting you mana. Even when you're like a little behind, it's like, well, I'm going to trade my cards in if I was behind and, and know what I need to be doing or get myself some ramps that I can go over the top. I have a wedding announcement is not that kind of card, right? It's way, way worse from behind than, than mm-hmm. fable is in my opinion. But if you're the deck that's going to take advantage of all, all the things that it's going to be doing, whether that's just, you want the tokens for transmogrify, you want the Anthem cause you're going wide. Um, then, then it's obviously much better. So, I don't know that it's a true engine, right? I compare it more to like a saga and I wouldn't necessarily call that a, that an engine, but it is, as Ricky said, where once you start getting multiples going, it does feel very, very good. You know, fables yeah. a saga and that's an engine kind of. Yeah. I guess fables like beyond a saga. I, I think it's, a man. it's more than it's two, than it's two bears in a loot, right? It's more than, yeah. the sum of, <laughs> it's more than the, what, sum is, of the what is, okay. If, if fables two bears in a loot, what is, what is Huntsman's resolve? Or whatever it is. Uh, Huntsman's Resolve? It's a tutor with like half. One bear and a honeymoon? I mean, it's the plus two plus two and tra- the plus two and trample is just, it's just like, it's a bear with a shotgun and a trench coat, right? Like, it's just. Right. You can skip step two. You don't the problem have is we sacrifice it. That's my only thing. Is we, we sacrifice the. Uh, Sacrifices have to be made, Chris. Bear. Yeah. Some of you All may right. die. But that's well, that's like, sacrifice. I'm like, I paid three mana for a three three. I also want to go find my best card in my deck. That's why yeah. I also want that. It's big true, big true. Yeah. Uh, also, great henge. I mean, it's great henge. Like it's all right. Like it's it's expensive. Like you gotta cheat it. Up. A card that mattered in Pioneer, and now it's more of a meme. Yeah, like you play it in like these weird meme like fight rigging decks and like. Soren cheating stupid dinosaur vampire decks, right? Mm-hmm. right? And it's not really a real card. Sure, yeah. You know, it's like a, oh, isn't it funny that I'm playing Rotting Regisaur? Let's also play Great Henge, right? Yeah. So I feel like that's the kind of, uh, that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, that will, uh, thank you again, Kev, man, again, patreon.com slash crew3mtg, go help us out there. All right, well, that will do it for this week. Gentlemen, where can they find you on the socials? Hey, you can find me on the Zeters at it's underscore Christmas, and Christmas has no T. You can find me on xgonnagiveittoyou.com, at also Steve. You can find me at crew3podcast, and posting up stuff on our YouTube channel at crew3mtg over on YouTube. And Ricky, of course, occasionally streams on crew3mtg on Twitch when he is available. Uh, that's also where you'll be able to find us on Extra Life on November 11th. So be sure to check that out. And uh, whenever we decide to do for the League of Legos stream, uh, but yeah, it should be fun. Ricky and I, I will say besides uh, the the leaks, if it happens, I know we've confirmed for Extra Life stream, C3W making its triumphant return. Uh, we might have an invasion angle this time. I might, instead of having uh, some uh, more Pioneer cards added, I might add a different property. Might be pioneer cards versus a different property. Bring uh, all the matches. Doc- yeah, bring all the doctors. Um, Monopoly man for secret layer Monopoly man. Yeah, we we will definitely be also doing 
Um, Lego Island Adventure 1. I know there's a lot of hype for that, so we'll be doing that. And, of course, uh, I can now reveal that we'll be doing Pokemon with too many types. Heck, yeah. So that is should be Lego, fun. Then, is it Lego Island the same game? Yeah. It's the one with, like, the Brickster, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you give him a pizza and he breaks out of jail because you gave him pizza. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I know this game entirely. I can, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, but I, I know the game exists. I played it as yeah. a child. <laughs> yeah, everyone has. That's supposed to be great. It's our new, it's our, it's this year's Zoom Beanies. Oh, great. All right, anyway, uh, that will be it for this week. We will talk to you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.